getting to know you. Getting to know all about you. Getting to like you. Getting to hope you like you. Welcome to Getting to Know Woo. I'm Natasha Levenger, a professional intuitive reader, energy healer, and inner child healing expert. After being raised with extreme narcissism, I found talk therapy was helpful, but it wasn't until I found energy and inner child healing that I was able to break free of family patterns that cut me off from knowing and loving my true self. I'm passionate about dispelling the rhetoric that these kinds of tools are impractical and ineffective. And in this podcast, I will be sharing how actually beneficial and transformative they are. My husband and producer, Brett, will be joining me in conversation, and we will be welcoming experts along the way. I'm excited to have you here. What's up, hallucinators? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Uh, I thought I was trying to figure out earlier today, for some reason I got it stuck in my head that I could find a way to have howitzer fit with woo. Wait, what's I guess it could howitzer? be like a, it's a large cannon. Oh, sure. So you I mean, may have like howitzer maybe. Mm. I, I've never heard that word before. Really? Yeah. Hmm. Have any of you played, now I'm just going to act like we're in a conversation where they can respond. <laughs> well, they can at gettingtoknowwoo at gmail.com. Thank you so much. Yes. Um, we play Wordle. Um, listener of the show introduced us. What I just said listener of the show. She's also a good friend. <laughs> <laughs> I was about I, to ask which listener. Yeah, the reason I said that is because she listened, so I figured she would hear it on here. Jen. Ah, yes. Um, uh, she, I told her about Quartle thinking I would blow her mind because it's four mm. Wordles in one. And she was like, oh, yeah, <laughs> right? <laughs> <laughs> Here's a Tortle. Yeah. And then we discovered. Found, oh, you discovered? No, no, no. I don't know. I mean, me I just either. meant somebody told me about. I don't know who so did Quartle. it. So uh, a Kurtle. Anyway, what's up, Jen? This is just now a private podcast. Jen. <laughs> also, for those of you who don't know, does anybody not know what Wordle is? I'd be surprised. Okay. It's a word game where you have to guess a word. Yeah, you have a certain number of guesses Six. to guess a uh, five-letter word, mm -hmm. and uh, you try to do it on as few guesses as possible. And all the other variants that we just mentioned are just more and more boards <laughs> at once in a single game yeah and they renew every day at midnight and yeah. for a brief moment in time we were like oh let's go to bed before midnight <laughs> yeah but then we didn't do that except twice yeah we did it twice <laughs> we did it two times which is good for two uh adhders yeah speaking of adhd, ADHD with sirs yeah no. i started taking vivance was it last week? I, I think so. Time Maybe a week, the week before. Do you think that the pandemic changed up time in the sense of like, I do think since the pandemic, people are very confused about time, including me. Uh, confused in what way? Just like, you know, wait, it's 
oh, it's still March or wait, March is over. Oh, wait, is it Monday or is it? Right, right. You or know, it feels like Monday for three day. days and then suddenly right. it's 12th day again. Right, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so I feel like I wonder, actually, well. <laughs> something just came flying, like a, something just came flying down from the ceiling. Oh, yeah. Undoubtedly a large dust moat. Oh, boy. Well, it, oh, don't say that. Might? I moat. Think, moat. Oh, particle <laughs> he's in a lot of lot of uh deep pocket words today <laughs> anyway um i just wonder if it really did something with the space-time continuum in the sense of like and i'm not sure what because i haven't felt into it energetically but i wonder if it did kind of like make it so that we're not fully like on this timeline like aligned oh oh like maybe multiple timelines are melding or like it started to meld a little bit yeah Hmm. i wonder about that now if you notice i'm slurring today i did have (laughs) one glass of wine and that's enough for me yeah i'm a very sensitive body system that's right that's right i mean in terms of Medication, alcohol, yeah, drugs, yeah, all of it. It takes, you know, I'll just say this quickly and then we'll move on. But um, it's actually surprising that when I had when I went through childbirth that I was able to sustain so much pain because when we went to the hospital, they said that my contractions were stronger than everybody at the hospital at that moment who had taken Pitocin, which is a drug that they give you to make your contractions really strong. Or to start them up at all. Right. So it's surprising that I handled that for 11 hours without an epidural. And then I was like, oh, when they told me that, I was like, you know what? Get me the epidural. I'll take it. Yeah. Well, I mean, it feels different to me, your body's processing of pain it's feeling as opposed to processing external chemicals well it was extremely painful oh yeah no i'm I'm not trying to diminish that in any way i'm just saying it's not surprising to me that you could handle that even knowing you're a sensitive body system i see well uh, you know it was extremely painful i'll just say that again because it's more just like that i dealt with that Yeah, well, I mean, there's like lots of documentation about how pain is relative and you you could be (laughs) like sitting on the floor in agony after stubbing your toe. But, you know, soldiers on battlefields will walk around with gaping wounds uh, and Mm. not feel any pain. Uh, And I mean, that may not be the best example because there's shock, but there is but it's. It is relative. and yeah. It's a you, bad example because, again, I felt the pain. No, no, no. I know. I'm just saying okay. that, like, the you felt the pain, but you also made a decision that you were not going to have right. uh, an epidural. And you were, like, there. so there was that motivation. Mm-hmm. And you didn't have the information that it was worse than anybody else's. Yeah. And when you did, yeah. then that changed. Yeah perception for you so well it didn't change perception it just changed my dogmatic approach yeah yeah why suffer through this yeah i I didn't i didn't mean the perception of the pain like it changed your like your mindset about 
uh, the epidural, yeah. So anyway, what are we excited about this week? I mean, excited, it's a mixed bag at this point. We are going to fly to Colorado. Mm-hmm. By the time you hear this, it will have happened. Because in case you, I see M-Y-I. Wait, I see I. No, no, I see Y M I. Uh, we are moving because of the anti-trans legislation that is looming in North Carolina and has already appeared all around us. Um, we need to take action. Yeah. So it's exciting, but it's also uh, very sad. Yeah. I mean, maybe the most, one of the most bittersweet things I've ever experienced yeah. because I am excited about it. There are a lot of things that uh, I look forward forward to about wherever we end up moving but oh man it really i really love it here it's really hard to think about moving it i I was today i was cleaning out the garage (laughs) and i have for years now been saving various containers for my uh looming garage you know organization project and they were just all going in the trash mm, and while well, the recycling. Sad. And I it's just really weird holding both of these feelings at the same time. Like it did make me really sad, but yeah. it also I was like, it's gotta get like I got yeah. I we gotta clear out, gotta be ruthless. Yeah. I feel like I was really I was really in very much go 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 mode about it like okay we got to do it so i gotta find out where we're going i yeah. gotta figure out the schools I gotta da, 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 da. and then once like all of the logistics so far have been sorted out yeah. now i'm like yeah it's just really sad this is my ideal house like yeah i really feel like i manifested my ideal house like I found this piece of paper a few years ago where I had written down what I wanted in a house and I remember at the time feeling like okay this is a stretch because I had pictured it in Los Angeles but I was like I'm just gonna do it and this is it and like do you remember what was on the list specifically no I do remember it was four bedrooms three bathrooms which in los angeles you know yeah. would have been way more money than we had yeah it's just so magical here it's like out of a storybook the yeah. landscape our land our house it's so beautiful and uh, it really is sad but yeah but there is a lot of hope for what's to come and i guess we'll just see how we feel when we get to where we're going yeah Anyway, that's a kind of what we're excited about. That's slash, what I'm anxious about. That's what I feel bittersweet mixed emotions <laughs> about. <laughs> that's what I'm unsure, but also feel excited and also don't know, but am trying to be positive about. That's what makes me cry every time I speak about it for too long. <laughs> All right, well, on a positive note, today on the podcast, we are so honored to have Asha Frost on, who I absolutely love. We both really love talking to her so much, yeah. and she's the author of You Are the Medicine and the Sacred and Sacred Medicine Oracle Deck, both yeah. of which we own and love. 
So Asha Frost, she, her, is an indigenous medicine woman and a member of the Chippewas of Nawash First Nation. As an energy healer, homeopath, and mentor, Asha has guided thousands of people through profound and lasting transformation. She has blended her life experience with her innate gifts and the wisdom of her ancestors. She loves sharing her medicine in powerful ways through ceremonies, teachings, and speaking events. Asha lives on Anishinaabe, Huron, Wendat, and Haudenosaunee territory with her husband and two beautiful children with whom she co-creates a better world for the seven generations generations to come. And here is our interview with her. Hi everyone, my book Healing Your Inner Child is out April 18th. It has so much helpful material. If you like this show, you're going to love the book and it is available for pre-order everywhere. If you order it and then email me at gettingtoknowwoo at gmail.com or you can send me a DM, I will email you a special class I need for anybody who pre-orders called The Inner Gaze, all about receiving inner validations. Thank you so much for your support, and I know you love the book. Asha Frost, thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. We both read and are obsessed with your book, You Are the Medicine. Um, And so I want to start this conversation talking about appropriation, um, since that's in this book a lot, and it's just such an important topic before we delve into anything else. And you wrote a post on Instagram, Dear White Women, that did that go viral? Is that what happened? Yeah, 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 I wrote a blog. It was a blog post. Oh, okay. Yeah. And at the time it was like, I was writing blogs maybe monthly and they weren't being seen by anybody. (laughs) Oh, wow. I didn't, I, I, yeah, yeah, actually, I think I read that. Yeah. Calling out whiteness has a way of uh, gathering attention. Yes. Yeah. I, I, it had been on my heart for about 10 years really. Mm. Um, and, but I was sort of terrified to bring it forward until I realized the impact it was having in my, in my physical body. Mm. So I, realized it needed to be spoken and we all have that sense right when we just have that either like fire within or there's something that we we know that truth needs to be spoken and I got to that point where it was time so I wrote the blog post and I posted it to my Instagram and it went viral in a few days which I really wasn't expecting um because at the time I maybe only had 2,000 followers on Instagram and I just didn't really think that it was that, uh, you know, it was going to be that important of a conversation. This was before oh, wow. 2020 and the George Floyd conversations. This was before oh, sort of wow. any of those conversations came into the um, the collective energy. Um, and it was about, yes, it was called Dear White Woman Who Wants to Be Like Me. Because over the years, I've had so many people say, I wish I was Indigenous or I wish I was Native. I wish I was like you. Um, You know, how can I be like you? How can I learn sort of and take these things? Or I would watch um, folks taking them and using them as their own. Um, And it was just really painful to witness, but I couldn't really name it until I wrote that letter. Oh, wow. So you were able to articulate it was through articulating it by writing it that you were able to really know how that, why that affected you the way it did. Yes. And it was, um, again, I think years of experiencing racism, experiencing um, the, the parts that I don't think 
folks really wanted to take on necessarily. So it's an invitation. And I saw that letter as an invitation. You know, it didn't really get um, received by everyone in that way. I think it (laughs) hurt a lot of people. Um, but my my intention was to come from the heart and an invitation in a relationship. Can you come in relationship with Indigenous people? If you're going to use these, these um, sacred medicines, can we be in reciprocity with one another? Can you care about the people that you are sort of taking these from? Can we, can we sort of come into community together? That's really what my intention was. And of course, people read through their own lens. So at the time, yeah. I'd say 50% of people took it that way and 50% of people got really triggered wow. and then of course projected all of that my way which wow yeah yeah how did you handle that I imagine you felt that in your body as well I did it was it was traumatic because again I wasn't expecting it to go viral wow. so I've shared this before it took me about over a year to be able to open my own email again oh my god in a state of um a state of hypervigilance and my nervous system was really on guard I didn't know if I opened a DM on Facebook or Instagram, what was going to be on the other end of that. So I had to hire somebody to open my emails and to open my private messages because I just, I, I wasn't sure what was going to be on the other end. Oh um, and there was a lot of people wanting to tell me their stories, which I understand. And <laughs> it was a lot of labor. Like it was like these paragraphs and paragraphs or emails and emails of like why, you know, they had a past life as um a Cherokee person oh, or like no. just a lot of sort of defensiveness that I had to read through that also was really um, exhausting, I'd say, yeah. um, because I think that everybody just wanted me to say, it's okay. Like you're okay. You're doing right. it the right way. And I get, I understand where all this came from, but as one person, one heart, it was a lot. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I was even, both of us actually were like, we felt it was really important to talk about this, but we were also like, didn't want to make you, take on the emotional labor of explaining what appropriation is um so yeah and also I talk about the hypervigilant inner child a lot because that is to me the most difficult to heal a lot of times because they're so you know they are so uh, like ready for for a fight ready to be attacked Mm -hmm. so to be just in that state for oh that's just really that's very hard yeah well I'm used to answering this question and I was talking about these issues around that time right so again like we think post sort of 2020 so 2019 2018 again I think collectively there weren't a lot there wasn't a lot of um focus there was a lot of I could see where a lot of white women and I'll say that because people say no there is yeah but it's, it's true because it's never really black women. I never see South Asian women and people yeah. call me an indigenous woman all the time. So I don't always understand why people get so triggered by that. <laughs> yeah. The truth yeah. is white women taking, and what I would see, and I wrote about this, is like, you know, people having a smudge stick and or a sage stick and they would just be like waving it around on their ads. Like it was like really blatant taking the medicine and using it for profit or co-opting the practice and taking it for your gain. So yes. that was really the part that was harmful it wasn't the people who you know take sage and and honor it and use it um, in their ceremonies it it wasn't that it was the people who were taking it to that next level using it for their 
again, and never talking about Indigenous people, never even caring about where those were coming from. Right. So that's the difference between appropriation and appreciation. Mm. Um, when you're just taking it, and then you're not really, there's no context, or yeah. there's no reverence. Um, and then you're using it for your gain, or you're using it for your platform. And you're not realizing the privilege you have in doing that. As Indigenous people, mm. we were banned from practicing these mm. ceremonies. For so long, they were buried and stripped away. For hmm. so long, it took me so long to come to the point where I even felt worthy of using it myself. Wow. You can see how harmful that is for somebody just to take it without any thought of that. Yeah. And then use it in that way, it, it actually feels from a, a somatic level, like something's being stripped from your bones. Yes. Like. Yeah. yeah. Well, and even on the appreciation side of it, Please correct me if I misinterpreted any of this, but I really appreciated that every mention of appropriation in the book did feel like an invitation. And it was just asking that if you're going to, to use any of these practices, any of this information, understand it and give it the reverence that it was given by those that you're that you're learning it from. Uh, and it's, uh, I mean, it's very, very powerful, the whole, everything presented in the book and the obligations that you're asking people to follow through on as they, as they use those practices. Yeah. And if you do want more education about the history, that's also in the book too. So read yeah, it. There's, there is some, um, there is some education in there. And I think what I, what I've come to terms with is that people are going to use these practices anyways, they're going to teach them. Right. So, you know, guys, I have criticism from Indigenous people. Why are you sharing our practices? Like mm. I kind of get it from both sides and that I've had to come really clear in the last couple of weeks actually of, mm. and this is being shared by people who are not from our lineage. So why can't I take up space? And I think the narrative of Indigenous people don't are invisible that's 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 kind of bought in by everybody so if i'm taking up space as an indigenous voice and i'm actually like taking up rightful space how does that shift the narrative a little bit so i think mm -hmm. that it's um sometimes it's a lonely path because it just yes. not a lot of people doing I can imagine yeah. yeah yeah that's very hard actually you talk about being seen and taking up space in the book too can you talk a little bit more about that like what that um what you do to feel more comfortable doing that like is it just about not just but is at least a lot of it about being comfortable with the discomfort of showing up like that I I love that question I think I identify as a very empathic sensitive soul and I'm not necessarily an extrovert yeah. I love deep conversations with one-on-one -on -one, you know um so it's been a stretch for me to amplify the visibility plus moving through that generational trauma and harm of being invisible as an Indigenous person, um, it has felt a little bit like a slog or a hustle to even just get seen in the world. Yeah. So I think there's that aspect of it, of it's just like, okay, one step at a time, right? And um, listening to my ancestors and what they're guiding me and calling me to do has been helpful. Mm. And then of course, I have so many nervous system practices that I use like breath work, like just even salt baths, being outside, things that I have to do to just regulate my own being from from exposing myself in this way and I don't know if that's true for everyone but it definitely as a sensitive person who doesn't have a lot of people to sort of model after in that way there's not a lot of indigenous people yeah. in this um, healing community online that, that are doing this kind of this kind of thing so I think I've had to really 
come home to how I'm being guided. And of course, remember, as my book's called You Are the Medicine, like I am the medicine, I have medicine I'm here to share. Um, I'm being guided to do that. So, but yeah, it's it's a practice every day. Yeah. There were there were two related topics that I, I don't remember whether they were in the same section or not, but about showing up. You also talked about everyone honoring their gifts that they have to bring and not feeling the need to conform to a certain standard of how you show up. And then also the idea of humility not being equal to smallness, that you can be mm. humble in your gifts and your offering and um and still own it and and present it and not have to like shy away from it or or mitigate it in any way um i that was very affecting to me because i tend to think of humility as uh, as smallness as you know downplaying and and all of that does that also factor into like the way that you have had to talk about your book in in podcasts like this or or other you know interviews yeah i think i think humility is one of our seven grandfather teachings and it's one of my favorites because it really speaks to us being one with creation and because we have tended to extract from the earth we tend to see ourselves as greater than the earth and all of our kin on the earth mm. so if we can sort of reimagine or sort of unwind those beliefs and see ourselves in that oneness as you know equal to that beautiful birch tree equal to the stars equal to the moon like if we are one with creation and it's a reflection direct reflection of us true humility is seeing that and then i feel like we can rise as tall as that beautiful tree or we can shine as bright as that beautiful moon or we can um, become that blooming of that flower like it just feels like that's an invitation for us that's around us every single day that sometimes in this capitalistic world we don't necessarily see it anymore. We just sort of like, well, I'm gonna like extract and take from and yeah. have power over. And in this way, humility just welcomes us home to that that truth. And I always feel that calling, like um, if you like, you know, if you are one with that flower, then please blossom and bloom. Mm -hmm. And I, sometimes we've been told as children to like stop bragging, you know, you know, stop, stop being so this and that. And I think that is from a systemic place. That's from like harmful places. Mm -hmm. That's not the truth. That's not the truth. That's not oh how my, I want my children to be in the world. Uh, we were literally just talking about this on the last podcast, trying yeah. to, we actually were like, somebody give us the answer to this. <laughs> you just did the next episode. So thank you. Because yeah. yeah, we were just talking about how sometimes people expressing their pride in themselves feels great and sometimes it feels like bragging mm -hmm. I don't know why it sits differently in the body but I sometimes but I really like that I often use um plants and the and flowers and how things grow in nature um as examples of how we grow spiritually and I try to tell that to myself and also the people I see because we all a lot of people put pressure on themselves to just like we should be just growing like in one straight line, but nothing in nature really actually grows like that. Mm -hmm. And I love that idea also of bringing in that they also, they don't think about, oh, am I blooming too much right now? <laughs> it's just <laughs> there. Sure. I know somebody said the other day, because in right now in um, Ontario, it's like, you know, sugar, like maple syrup season. So the maple mm. syrup, and somebody said the sap doesn't run all the time. And I thought, oh, that's such wisdom. The sap uh. Like a month, right? So it's so true. Like we we cannot be producing all the time. We cannot be blooming all the time. There's lots of death, you know, the trees and the yeah. leaves 
why those cycles are so important to remember. And we just have to look outside. That's what I think. It's not that difficult. It's kind of more simple than we think. Yeah, I love that. That actually segues really well into another huge revelation that <laughs> I had, or I mean, that you just handed to me in your book. <laughs> I, I, I personally identify with bears. I feel a lot of uh, shared similarities, but the specific medicine that you describe in the book of rest as like, I just never even, I mean, I knew bears hibernate, but it never occurred to me that that was part of the lesson of bears. And I, mm. that was just a, a huge eye opener uh, for me personally. And I mean, you talk in the book about the way that lesson slowly unfolded for you and, and how you had to integrate it yourself. I, I wonder if you, you could share a little bit about that. Yeah. I feel like bear is such an ally for me and, and still teaches me because I think that um, that sort of colonial hustle is like is embedded in my bones, right? So I think that unwinding, and I think for all of us, because we live in this capitalistic colonial world that tells us we're only worthy if we produce, we're only worthy if we keep going and hustling. Um, that's where we get our worth from versus that divine worth from within. So um, over my lifetime, you know, I was diagnosed with lupus when I was 17. So when I was a teenager, it was like, a, it was sort of like this invitation again to be like, okay, so your body's going to tell you really quickly when you are nearing that burnout, are you going to listen? Your body's going to tell you really quickly about boundaries. Are you going to listen? And it's probably taken till now, <laughs> from then till now to really be like firm on when I feel that bare medicine within saying, this is a no. Um, exert your sacred no. Um, this is time. Rest is okay. It's safe for you to rest. It's safe for you when you feel exhausted at two in the afternoon. Remember that our cycles every single day change. You can take a little rest. You can lie down for 20 minutes. Like all of those things have been such a practice for me. And bear mm -hmm. medicine reminds us like there's so much healing in the rest. Of course, we heal. We know we heal when we sleep. But there's so much healing in that void and that the great mystery can touch us in that way when we stop and we slow down. But our culture isn't really set up for that. So we have to intentionally kind of like really get in there and just be like, listen, I want to, I want this bear medicine to be an important part of our lifetime. So I think it's, that's what we're being called to now after this pandemic time. I think we're being called to do it differently. So to me, that bear speaks so profoundly to how things need to be rewoven. Mm. And I read something yesterday about, imagine imagine our communities, well-rested communities, what, what could change? Wow, that's amazing. Yeah, having people with capacity to <laughs> to exist and rest and, and be, uh, and not just go and do. And also honoring their capacity. Yes. That alone feels like, whoa, how powerful if everybody was honoring their own capacity and then they would honor each other's capacity more easily. That's so true. And I think, was it, was it you that I said, can you circle back around to do this podcast? Yeah. <laughs> so that's an example. That's an example of, I want it. I want to say yes to all the things like that is <laughs> nature of like, I'm a yes person. So, um, but I've had to be so careful in this, in this book launching process of just, do I have capacity for this right now where I can show up in my fullness? Because that's a, a value of mine too, that I want to, you know, be in reciprocity in that way. Um, so I have to ask myself that question. Now I take a pause and I just check in, which takes maybe like two minutes, right? Do I have capacity to show up in my fullness? Whatever that means that day. 
Yeah. Yeah. And I think that that's um, something we can all ask ourselves. And you're right. If you're doing that for yourself, then you honor when somebody, I really honor when somebody says, I'm sorry, my capacity is so low. I oh, get yeah. it. I'm like, thank you for telling me. It's so important. Yes. yes. I had a friend, I think about this all the time, who said to me, that she, when her friends say no, she's like, I celebrate your no. <laughs> and I always think about that. Also, yeah. I'm a big, I've never had a hard time resting. That's one thing I don't have a hard time with. Oh, that's, that's your medicine then. Like you must carry bear really like close. <laughs> I guess so. I just never question it. I'm like, I'm tired. I need to nap. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> so it is true when someone's like, I don't have capacity. I'm like, oh, okay. Like, to me, it's just like, why would you want to force someone in? It's not going to be good yeah. for anybody, really. Yeah. So um, I want to make sure we get to talking about ancestors because there's so much in this book and we're only going to get the tip of the iceberg. But I am Jewish and you mentioned in the book you're married to a Jewish man. And yeah, so I want to talk about especially that. OK, I'm going to weave these things together. You were talking about having the bear energy inside you. And I was just thinking about, oh, we can, we have all of these different energies inside us and including our ancestors. And so I would love for you to talk more about that because I do a lot of ancestral healing, but I wonder if you've ever, well, okay. So you were talking about your son in the book and how, um, it was such a, a heartbreaking story about how he went to school and, um, I don't want to mess up the story, but you were seeing the, um, basically he is, has the lineage of two genocides in his system. And I'm wondering what you think about the healing of that, like what processes, um, cause I've definitely seen that energy in my system, especially the hypervigilance that I feel is definitely from my immediate family, but also I have seen that it, that it's from the Holocaust. Yeah, I think there's so many things we can do. I think the first step, it might be simple, but it's simply just acknowledging. Mm. I think that in giving space and room for those stories that live in our bones, I think that oftentimes we're just like, let's get over it. Like, I mean, I see that on comment section all the time. Indigenous people, why aren't you just getting, getting over it? Uh. And we understand the generational harm and impact and how it's still impacting us today, right? On a vibrational level for Jewish folks. Like I think that was a survival, right? To, to try to get over it. It was just like a survival mechanism. Well, we just have to like, you know, come together in community. And that's what I know about my in-laws and their family is like community is yes. such a precious gift and such medicine in so many beautiful ways. So mm -hmm. I see the resilience, right? Mm -hmm. But in that resilience, sometimes we can bypass all of this truth that still lives in our dream time, in our bones, mm -hmm. when we journey. And I was really conscious once my therapist said to me, if you don't speak to your children about um, the Holocaust and residential school trauma and attempted genocide, they will start to dream about it, whether it's mm. like daytime dreaming or nighttime dreaming. Wow. So I think that acknowledgement is that first step that seems so simple, but how much, because people are always just like, oh my gosh, why are we telling our children about residential schools? Why are we telling them that their children, children were snatched from their homes? I think acknowledging the truth is so important. And I think children know anyways we know it in our bones we know it in our dreams like so making great space for the stories is so vital because then they have something to like have context about about why they might be fearful about something about why they be feeling um, hyper vigilant about something so that's the first step and then i think there's a variety of ways like 
um, energy healing or ceremony that you can go into and even having a relationship with your ancestors. So even just praying or calling to them and saying like, you know, I am here perhaps to break this cycle, perhaps to do some healing work. Can you support mm -hmm. that? Which direction do I need to go? Mm. Maybe you do some offerings to the earth. Maybe you do. I love doing like energy healings and journeying to, to really kind of start to unwind some of that trauma in our bones. Mm -hmm. But it all involves making more space and making more capacity for healing to enter. And if we don't acknowledge it, it stays all scrunched up and it stays suppressed. So we yeah. need we need words. We need stories. We need all of that to start to shake it up. It needs to be shaken up. And mm -hmm. yeah, if we just keep saying like, oh, that happened in the past, um, we're just missing out on so much healing that can be done for the future. Yeah. Well, and the in terms of talking to kids about it, I it, our experience, or well, my experience certainly, that children can handle so much more than we give them credit for in terms of understanding, especially if you are just talking about things, you know, difficult things in an age-appropriate way, like breaking it down for them in a way that they can understand. They have insights to offer and reactions to share that are important. Uh, yeah, I think another important part of that is it's okay if they're sad about it, <laughs> you know, like shine. And it's okay if we're sad about it. That's important. We need to feel that it, they're not. Yeah. Like you said, they're resilient. They're not going to break from right. hearing that. And like you said, they already know on some level. And that's right. true of most trauma. If something's going on in your house, they feel it. They sense it. Yeah. And it's like, it's sort of giving them like, not, you know, not their empowered not seeing them in an empowered way right and not seeing them as the little humans right. they are like yes they're children but if you sugarcoat and hide them from things it's it's gonna rise somewhere yeah right yeah right. well before we end i also want to say that you have an amazing uh oracle deck that goes with the book right it, yep. it, do, do you consider it like a partner to the book or I don't actually oh I okay <laughs> I feel like it is but oh, yeah like it feels yeah it just feels like of oh, the same ilk. yeah I mean I I they grew up created so close together so and but it was funny because everybody's like oh this must be like an extension of your book and I didn't <laughs> it's not a moon deck it's not an animal spirit deck right it's, it's true um so it really is um different I'm creating it I'm starting another deck that's going to be released next year that is going to be an animal spirit deck so it'll mm -hmm. be maybe a little closer to the book and moons um but no it was its own creation and it's called the sacred medicine oracle and it was a dream that i've had for about 25 years oh, having wow. my own as i loved oracle decks and i used them in my work for the last 20 years and i just i just got to know the medicine of them and every time i would do readings from them in my group programs or in my circles i just knew one day i want to have my very own mm, yeah so i really dreamed it into being but it took 25 years well, that's okay. Yeah, no. that, uh, you know, I, okay, this is really the last thing I'll say that just makes me think about um, being seen again, and showing up. And because these are, you know, obviously two of your creations out in the world. And it also just made me feel like it's not going to be easy for everybody, like you said, to show up and be seen. And, and that's okay. I, I think actually you say that in the book. <laughs> that it's not shameful to feel scared about showing up or to feel, yeah, hesitancy. 
No, let's normalize that. If anything, that message, I hope that I normalize it for people that like, I'm not always comfortable and it's not always easy. Um, And I've been doing this for a while now. So I just, I think that for me, the fire and the flame that sparks from my ancestors is stronger than the fear. Mm, I love that. Well, thank you again so much. Um, And can, I will have where people can find you um, in the show notes, but do you want to share? So my website's ashafrost.com. It's easy. And then on Instagram is where I hang out the most. So if you want to come follow me there, it's asha.frost and watch out for the imposters because there's a lot of them. I know. I have those. It's awful. And by the way, I'm sorry I've said your name wrong this entire time. Oh, that's okay. (laughs) (laughs) Those A's. Yeah, I'm really sorry. All right. Well, yeah. Thank you again. It was such a pleasure. Thank you for having me. Thank you, Asha. as we did it was such a powerful conversation for me i really felt just um yeah it just felt very powerful to be with her yeah i agree and i will just say for everybody um her book is available on audible um and uh she reads it so if you are the kind of person who doesn't have time to read but has time where you're uh, you know driving in a car or doing other things um I this I, this particular audiobook is uh, is really good. Not every yeah. author can read their own work well, but this yeah. one, uh, this re- audiobook is great. All righty. So, moving on to the energy report of the week. <laughs> Boy, I didn't really announce it very well. <laughs> the energy report. Okay. So, really, what I want to say about this week and as i was feeling into it it's kind of it's really what i've been feeling since the beginning of the year with maybe a little bit of respite in between which is it just it's feeling like a lot of hard processing happening again with some kinds sometimes of like oh okay now i'm able to really process it but did i say hard processing time i meant like hard just like going through it I guess is what I'm trying to say like a lot of going through it and then without a lot of ease there's been like some easeful moments in between but it's been a lot of you know hard processing I mean hard engaging with it I don't know how I want to put it um so one big lesson that has come up as a result of that that I've been feeling and I also feel this week as well which is really We're here to experience all of it and to be in all of it. And as much as you can, allow it to be what it is. So as much as you can, be greeting all of your emotions, events in your life with the same degree of acceptance. So I'm not saying like, be positive and put on a happy face. I'm saying like, if you can demoralize your feelings and allow what is to be like okay all of it is welcome here I'm not resisting any of it I'm just here to be in it whatever is presenting itself to me the the better off you are (laughs) the more you will both experience it and them and integrate it and and um maybe grow wiser from it not that everything has to be a lesson but just the more you can also develop self-trust by by building up this kind of resilience for knowing that you can have it all, that you can experience mm. it all, that it's all 
okay. It's all part of the experience as opposed to kind of uh, as opposed to trying to compartmentalize. Okay, I'll take this experience, but I won't take that. You right. know, like you're ordering ice cream or something. <laughs> Instead, just doing your best to be like, okay, I'm here creating capacity for the whole experience. Mm. So what I have been finding is the more that I just allow it, it creates more space for joy, for resilience, you know, to feel like, oh, okay, I can have it all. Not have it all in terms of like, you the know, money, the exactly, job, the exactly, kids, exactly. The but like, I can hold space for all of it. And, mm-hmm. and it, it's just so much better than resistance. And it also moves through quicker when you're doing it that way. Yeah. Well, when you're like, if you're stuck resisting, you know, something that you're labeling as negative, then it holds that space. That's in you. right. Yeah. It holds, it locks it in place. And again, I just want to be really clear. I'm not saying that you have to love every moment, but if you can allow every moment, that's different. Yeah. And that does allow for you to make space for more of what you do want. Yeah. So even if you are, like I've been doing a lot of, you know, connecting to my true self and from another timeline, but that now is is really in this timeline. Um, The more I resist, I come to it from a place of like, oh, no, I don't want to be this version of me. Mm. The less I can connect to that full whole self of myself. Mm. But if I'm like, okay, this is who I am right now. This is how I'm feeling. This is how I'm experiencing myself. And I also experience this part of myself. Then it can all be here at once. Right. Just to jump back for a second, when Mm -hmm. you say demoralizing your feelings, you mean removing your judgment about feelings being good or bad, right? That's right. I feel like the theme of this podcast, when we're talking anyway, has been that I don't know words. Is that not the right, is that not how you say it? I don't know that that it's not right. I don't, I just don't know that I've heard it. Um, I probably uh, need Well, I mean, it makes sense. I just wanted to clarify. Yeah, just not moralizing it, not making one feeling bad and another right. feeling good. Right. You right. know, it's all it's all got to be part of it. It's why you know we're here. I actually think we we recorded this punk, the interview with Asha a while ago, but I think that's part of what she was talking about too, and we were talking about together about how like. Just allowing the whole experience to be like yeah. letting the flower grow, uh, flowers grow, and like they don't, you know. Right, accepting that growth is not linear. That yeah. like everything, uh, it's all part of it. Yeah, if it's happening, it's. I mean, again, I have a hard time saying this because I'm not trying to be spiritual bypassing, but or try to be like, oh, it's all happening for a reason, but. It really is like if you're having the experience, it's better to, it, it's just easier on your whole system, your nervous system, your whole self, your inner child, if you allow yourself to have it. Yeah. <laughs> if yeah. you're feeling a feeling, allow yourself to feel it. And so anyway, that really feels like the message for this year so far. And it does feel like going into April, it's more of that. Like if you're feeling, there's no I'm ahead or behind. You are where yeah. you are. And so the more you can allow that to be the the better you'll feel. Yeah. So that's the deal. We didn't tell anybody to do anything, but what we would like (laughs) you to do is to rate our podcast in a positive manner. Otherwise don't, but thank you so much for listening. We so appreciate you. And we really appreciate when you um, review us and rate us. We, it helps people find us and we just love to hear from you. 
Yeah. Um, and you can find me at highest. No. Oh, yeah. You can find me at highestlighthealing.com and also on Instagram and TikTok at Natasha Levenger. So we'll see you next time. Thanks for being here. Bye. Bye.